Hello, and welcome to Haunts and Creeps. I'm your host, Asia. And I'm Rose. Is that right? (laughs) I can't uh, continue. (laughs) I was going to ask what you're drinking tonight. Oh my god. So it's Cabernet. It's called Mm -hmm. Decoy. It's got a little picture of a duck on it. And it's pretty fucking bad. I'm not like a wine connoisseur, so don't at me if you love Decoy Cabernet. Whoa, whoa! (laughs) When we finally start to record, the dog's like, yo! (laughs) Um, But I don't have any orange juice, and I'm really sad about that, because it's like bitter. So we'll get through this. What do you you got? I have Mike's Harder Lemonade, because 5% ain't shit, so I'm drinking 8%, and this is my... I'm finishing my second one of the day and about to start my third. I didn't know Mike made harder lemonade. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's new. And I appreciate it quite a bit. <laughs> right now nice. I'm drinking the cranberry flavor as a holdover before I drink my black cherry, because the black cherry is really good. Oh, so you're like saving it for last. Like the It's a holy grail. It's going to be well, your I've got, height of the night. I've got like a quarter of this can left, so... It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a second one, because this won't last me ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now we got to move on to our favorite part, Asia. What's your disturbing fact? Well, I had so many to go off of, and now that we're finally recording six weeks later, I can't remember <laughs> any of them. Has it really it's... been six weeks? That's pretty bad. <laughs> it, it might be four, but okay. yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Damn. Um... Yeah, I had a lot, and like every week, I'm like, that would be a good disturbing fact. I have to remember that. And I forgot each and every single one of them. Um, I did get fired on the 2nd, which was my dad's birthday. He would have been 50 this year. That was a great day. day. Yeah. But you brought me breakfast, so that helped a lot. Yeah. Thank you. No probs. So in lieu of my personal disturbing fact, I looked up... um, a disturbing fact about American presidents. Hell yeah. This should yes. be good. With all the shit show that's been going on lately, Afghanistan, everything, I'm just <laughs> like, you know what? We're going to look up some fun p- facts you would not have known unless you have looked it up yourself. So, I'll let you pick. Do you want to start with George Washington or JFK? I think JFK is spicier. I want to start there. I was pretty amused with George Washington, but yes, we can do that. All right. So this one's more conspiracy theory. Mm. You ready? Yeah. So this one surrounds JFK's assassination. Of course. And quote unquote, what happened with his body? Ooh. Yeah. So theories are that Kennedy was murdered by the mafia or the CIA or extraterrestrials. Or, or extraterrestrials. Or the extraterrestrial mafia. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so. That's not real. No. But <laughs> part of the things that lead to the conspiracy theory that it was government initiated is the Dallas County Medical Examiner tried to perform an autopsy on the president's body and the corpse was forcibly removed by federal officials. When the actual autopsy, 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 (laughs) 
when the actual autopsy was performed at Bethesda National Naval Medical Center, the doctors did a really sloppy job and they failed to properly examine the wounds or analyze the president's clothing. And while that might add fuel to the conspiracy theories, it pales in comparison to what happened to his brain. Oh, shit. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I assume it was, like, obliterated for the most part. Probably. That's part of where the conspiracy comes in. So after the autopsy, the president's brain was put inside a stainless steel cylinder, which was then stored inside a footlocker. And the box also contained Kennedy's blood and tissue samples, all the evidence that was stashed away in a national archive. But three years later, sorry, carbonation burp. (laughs) That is disturbing, Asia. (laughs) Yes, in addition to spaghetti. (laughs) So (laughs) three years later, officials discovered that the locker was completely gone and missing and all the autopsy slides, bone fabrics fat fragments and his brain had completely disappeared um and no one knows what happened to it so aliens mafia aliens must have done it yeah the last half of the sentence says or maybe it was those damn alien mobsters yeah what is that it like there's no bridge between nope his stuff went missing and alien mobsters nope (laughs) what the fuck hey you picked JFK, so I guess we're just going to have to wait. All right. All right. Well, my disturbing thing of the week, and like I was telling you before the show, I've seen many disturbing things this week, but I did, am bottling them away, and they're mm-hmm. hard to just like recall at the top of my head. So my disturbing thing of the week is that <laughs> Asia, being a gracious host who cares about all of our listeners' ears has put a pink sock <laughs> over her microphone and effectively made it look like a giant dildo that she's just talking into. I named him Jeffrey. His name is Jeffrey. <laughs> and she will be whispering sweet nothings into his uh, penis ear for this entire show. You know you'd like that. (laughs) (laughs) Now we do ASMR. (laughs) All right. Give me one second to finish this can. Do it in one swig. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. She did it. (laughs) Mm All right. So. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Your face. Her face looks like when a little kid eats like tries a lemon for the first time where their whole face just shrivels <laughs> that was so that was so gross this wine is getting at me i can tell you're gonna be way drunker than me because i can barely swallow this <laughs> have you tried putting it on ice what you're not generally supposed to do it but i find sometimes ice helps with the flavor of bad wine uh, okay that is an insider tip do you wanna go get some ice Nah, I'm a I'm a muscle through it. Chug it. <laughs> no, fuck, I would vomit. <laughs> so you, I don't feel like sipping it's doing very much for you. No. All right, so since I'm recording my notes again, I decided to branch out of the U.S. We're doing another international episode. Hell yeah. And can you guess where we're located? Does it start with um, 
Does it start with an A still? Nope. Oh. So we're, okay. Afghanistan? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> that starts with an A. <laughs> okay, um. But Russia. No. Okay, but you took a second. Uh, Germany. No. Czechoslovakia. It is a, I say it is in Europe. France. Yeah, you get what? Much closer. Yes, we Spain. are in Paris. Oh, Paris. No, what do you mean much yeah. closer? That's France. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> All right. Okay, Paris. This should be dope. Mm-hmm. So, what's in Paris? The Eiffel Tower. Baguettes. Mimes with little mustaches. <laughs> Cheese. Ratatouille. <laughs> Smoking. People who smoke. Uh, French kissing. I was trying not to spit out my black cherry. <laughs> that one bridge that's really large. Is, is it a bridge? It's an arch. Those are all things in Champs Paris. Yes. Can you think of something spookier? Uh, you know, my, one of my best friends lives in France, and the old men there are very forward. Oh my god. <laughs> She's resting her head on the dildo, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking catacombs, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about them catacombs. This is gonna be a, a spectacular episode. So this is going to be a lot of history episode. I love history episodes. Me too. I had a lot of fun with this, and I could have spent so much more time on it. So for all of those who are major Catacombs fans, please don't at me. I just, I'm trying to combine this down into one hour of quick explanations here. Yeah. So <laughs> this is definitely something I've wanted to talk about for a while. I'm I've always been intrigued by catacombs, let alone the Paris catacombs. Yeah, they're like so, the biggest, baddest ones, right? Yes. And I bring that up a little bit, especially with the size. So the only comparison that I've really found are the um, Roman catacombs, the Christian catacombs. Mm. But the thing is, is I don't think they're as large as one whole, because the Paris catacombs, it's one unit. Oh. But... The Roman catacombs, they seem to be in separate entities, and there's Little a lot pockets. of them. Yeah. So I don't think they're as big. If you put them all together, they would probably be bigger. But the fact that they're individual little pockets of it, it's, it's different. It's definitely a little spookier to think that it's a giant catacomb. Because I remember reading a magazine, I think it was... Um... National Geographic on the catacombs and how people live down there and shit or they'll do like raves and stuff but just the idea that you could wander into the wrong corner of the Paris catacombs and fucking walk for miles and never make it out is creepier than just like little separate catacombs that you could you could maybe find end to end like you could map out one little catacomb by yourself in a night you know yep so we'll get into that. Let's start. We've got some dark history, bone walls, and numerous hauntings, one primarily, and lots of energy going on. So, Hell yeah. Because I enjoy entomology, we are going to explain a word. I think I'm going to start doing that now. I'm yeah. pretty sure entomology is bugs. 
And <laughs> go ahead, Hold explain on. your word. Explain your word. No, I will look I up entomology. No, no, no. I'm googling it. You explain your word. <laughs> oh yeah, entomology, the scientific study of insects. <laughs> Well, I'm doing biology, so... Oh, yeah. I'm going to school, everybody. But, oh, yeah. Asia started yeah. school. She's a badass. That would contribute to me in my notes, as I've been studying biology all week, when okay, I did my okay. notes. Just a small so. side story. One day, at school, when I was going to the same school you're going to now in college, it was, like, mm -hmm. the second day of classes, and I fucking sat down in what I thought was my psychology class, and for 15 minutes I sat there, and class started, and it was a fucking entomology class. And it was like a lecture hall of 200 people. So I just stayed. <laughs> I didn't want to get up and leave. I like, would love that. <laughs> in front of everybody. So I just stayed in entomology class. I love bugs. I would love to have just been like, you know what? This is my class now. I'm taking entomology. <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> All right. So etomology. No N. There you go. The word catacomb. According to a deep search of Wikipedia, as in the first paragraph, I found <laughs> I, I found the word catacombs comes from the Latin root word catumbus. No, cata, catatumbus. Meaning either among the tombs or according to other translations, next to the quarry. Which huh. both apply. So they keep so, the catacomb they keep the tombs next to the quarry. It's usually the quarry is how the tombs came to be. Oh, because they're blasting holes in some rock and they're like, we should put dead bodies in here. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> yep. So yeah, the later translation stems from the first excavations done to create the catacomb system, which was conducted outside of Rome near the quarry. Mm. They go hand in hand. Mm. So, as we discussed earlier, the Roman or Christian catacombs are many, but the Paris catacombs is one giant unit. So we're going to time travel. We're going to go back to the late 18th century. And for you who don't know history, that is the 1700s. Okay, that, that was a little unfair, Asia. They might know I history, but they don't know the dumbass system where we name a century but as that's the part of history before the century that you're actually in that that's just doesn't make of, sense that's part of history don't worry people who suck at history i'm here for you and i will back you up <laughs> so in the late 1700s paris had a horrible outbreak of sickness relating to the rotting bodies in the cemeteries surprise <laughs> wow as paris is not a new city it's very old all the cemeteries were over overloaded with bodies to mm. the point where multiple bodies would be taking up one grave or they would dig up old older bodies to put in new ones and it was not clean <laughs> to yeah. say the least as so far, like oh my god my words okay <clears throat> on this show we've learned a lot about architecture and mm -hmm. people figuring out not to fucking build shit with wood because it burns down another civic thing, engineering yeah civic engineering <laughs> the, the nerds of engineering <laughs> as we learned in our last one <laughs> no the geeky nerds the like loser oh, nerds right that's right <laughs> um, fucking christ 
I think we're, we'll also see throughout this show that people for the longest time did not understand disease, like spreading, pandemic-y shit, and personal hygiene. Like, yeah, the dead bodies piling up in your in your graveyards, they're gonna make you sick. Like, newsflash, mm-hmm. everyone. Okay, I just yeah. had to put that in there. No, you've got a very good point there. Um, so at the time, and with the piling bodies and contributing to the piling bodies, we have the Black Death. Yes, I Ooh. knew you were going to mention that. I fucking yes. love the Black Death. Me too, it's fascinating. So the Black Death plagued Paris at the time, and people were not quarantining. No, Motherfuckers, y'all need to stay home. Quarantining is. They think... <laughs> That not smelling things is quarantining. It's bad air. Go inside. Yeah. The city itself was overpopulated and the cemeteries, as I mentioned, even more so. They ran out of space to bury their dead. And in addition to rampant disease, irrigation was not well thought out. And just to be gross, the juices of decaying bodies were seeping into the water in the surrounding land. Yummy. Mm Mm-hmm. So animals and people alike were getting fatally sick, for obvious reasons. Um, and have you actually, like, read up on how the Black Death, like, does its thing? Because there's, like, three or four different types of the Black Death. I've heard that. No, I didn't go further into it, just for sake of time. Yeah. Just, I have a just... feeling we'll be covering the Black Death a lot. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, just to, like, lay some groundwork, you could either die of septicemic black plague, meaning your blood is infected, and that's, like, the quickest way to die. It's, like, within 24 hours. There's, like, a pulmonary black death that attacks your lungs. That was, like, the most common one. And I think there's, like, two others. But basically, you're just melting. Your bones and your blood and tissue just melting into each other and all of these ones. The bubonic plague is the Black Death. That's the one where your skin bursts in little bulbos, boobos. It's pretty gross. pustules. Pustules, yeah. (laughs) Big ol' hot pustules. (laughs) A bit of history here. It is a quote. I don't remember where from. If you're on Patreon, you'll have access to our notes and you can click one of my many links and go to it. So... Quote, in 1763, oh yeah, I can't do a French accent, so, sorry. Louis the Fifteenth issued an edict, banning all burials from occurring inside the capital. But because of the church, perch, bleh, pushback, which didn't want cemeteries disturbed or moved, nothing else was done. Louis the Sixteenth continued the crusade, also proclaiming that all cemeteries should be moved outside of Paris. It wasn't until 1780, however, that anything was done. That year, a prolonged period of spring rain caused a wall around Les Innocents to collapse, spilling rotten corpses into a neighboring property. The Uh, city needed a better place to put its dead. First of all, not French. No, I can't but do French. Also, I can't. Ugh. That sounds <laughs> yeah. fucking horrible. Yeah, in seventeen eighty a hotel wall collapsed and the basement was flooded with bones and corpses. Nice. It's gross. 
All right. So in order to solve this problem, the decision was made to remove the bodies from the current cemeteries and relocate them to a quarry system outside of the capital. They had been mining um, limestone there. Mm. So there's just labyrinth of tunnels of limestone for bodies to go. Hell Yay! yeah. So I would assume that these quarries led into the largest labyrinth in the world. I'd love to be proven wrong. Please actually at me about that. I want to know more. If there are bigger ones, please reach out because this is great. The quarry system reached 800 hectares under the city. And for those of you who don't know what a hectare is, it's a measurement of a square area of 100 acres. Oh my god. Yeah. So That's 800 huge. 800 hectares is around 1977 acres and that's in a square area. Holy hell. Yes. Okay, so. but I like how they went from bodies in the streets to this really almost like pretty efficient way of isolating these bodies in little rock holes where they can just melt and not infect anyone else. They're just melting in their own little hole in the ground. I like how you think they're in their own little hole in the ground. Wait, what do you mean? They just piled bodies down there. Oh, it's bodies like a mass grave type of it's situation. It's a mass grave. Huge. Okay, Huge. but still, they're all kind of melting in a hole in the ground and not into, like, people's yards. <laughs> yes, that is fair. Um, yeah, so I'm painting the picture because the scale's important. The corpse evacuation, in a single month, 50,000 bodies were buried in cemeteries due to the Black Death, so everything got relocated. If the cemeteries are already overflowing and you just put 50,000 new bodies into it in a fucking month, everyone's gonna fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in 1785, the first cemetery to relocate bodies was St. Innocent's Cemetery. That's hard to say. Innocent's Cemetery. Mm. And it was one of the larger ones that were relocated. It had uh, recently been closed in 1780 as it had been reused so many times over centuries. It was basically its own mass grave. There wasn't any free ground and there were so many bodies piled inside other graves. It was ridiculous. Damn. So they closed it and they decided to remove the bodies. Get them out of the city. Uh, it was done over the uh, overnight time. The cover of the darkness of night. <laughs> <laughs> so as to not upset the local Parisians and the church because the church finds out you're gonna die and go to hell. That so. they're not, like, burying people appropriately? Or that they close the church? That they're removing bodies from where they've been buried. So they've been buried. Okay, it's Mr. All church sacred. guy. Mr. Big <laughs> Church. Big Pharma Big Church. Um, give them... Give them a solution. Don't come, don't come at them with your problems. And not have any solutions. Right? No, it's sacrilegious to unbury a body that was buried in sacred ground and relocate them for the safety of the sure living. I'm pretty sure it's sacrilegious to bury multiple bodies in one grave and have them all rotting together. Yes, it is. But the church doesn't want to recognize that. Nice. Of course. <laughs> so, the bodies and what was left of the other bodies were dumped into the quarry wells and the quarry workers would then pile them into the galleries and, uh... Not an art gallery. Yeah, what? Galleries? 
What a horrible yeah. word. <laughs> I know. Although, with what was done later on, it could be considered by a morbid people like me that it is an art gallery now with certain things. Okay. So, the next 50 years or so, this process would continue with other cemeteries. In a total, about 6 million bodies had been relocated to the quarries. Damn. Yeah. There's a lot more history on that. I'm not going to bore you with the details. We need to move on for time's sake. I'm sure I've painted a big enough picture to understand what's going on here. Yeah, it's fucking gruesome. Yeah. So, kind of a fun fact that I wanted to throw in here, just as a little palate cleanser. Yeah, maybe lighten the uh, mood a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Subterranean Paris wasn't used, wasn't just used for mining and storing dead people. In the 17th century, so 1600s, I don't know how to pronounce this, Carthusian monks converted the ancient quarries under their monastery directly into distilleries for the green or yellow liqueur that still carries the name Chartreuse. No, that is not mm -hmm. a fun fact. That's a gross fact. Okay, no, it, you're telling they, me that a bunch of monks had part of this massive dead body quarry under their monastery, and they converted it to a wine cellar to make wine, and their wine is green? So, their the labyrinth is huge. Keep in mind, the bodies honestly didn't start piling up to this extent until like another... 80 to 100 years after that. Okay, but if I'm getting a wine that's green out of a former body storing place, like, I'm gonna ask why the wine is green. <laughs> it's green or yellow, which is the color of chartreuse. That is but sus. Where they were brewing, there weren't any bodies. Mm -hmm. So, if that makes you feel better. It uh, sounds like this whole city has bodies spilling out of its ears, so... <laughs> It does. It Technically, you're right. It does. <laughs> but uh, the mines generally keep a constant cool temperature of around 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That is 15 degrees Celsius. They were also ideal for brewing beer, and it happened on such a large scale from the end of the 17th century until well into the 20th century. So this started before our evacuating, or their evacuating of cemeteries but it has continued up until the century mm. like it's, it was still going on that's when it gets fishy but several caves were dug especially for establishing the breweries and not just because of the ambient temperature going underground allowed brewers to remain close to their customers without having to pay a premium for real estate up top so right. if you have your brewery now you've got a basement cellar that is temperature controlled and perfect for brewing and you have all the space and so you don't have to pay extra money because it's under what you're already paying money for. Yeah, except, you know, where are you going to put your your equipment when there's all these dead bodies in the way? You know, you kind of, you got to clean up the dead bodies a little bit, then you can brew your beer. He's <laughs> <laughs> just not impressed. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the most famous of Paris's Paris's underground breweries, <laughs> Dumesnil, that felt oh. very German, stayed in operation until the late nineteen late nineteen sixties. 
Mm. So. Just a little palate cleanser. My palate feels about the same. So, the uh, catacombs, their original name was the Paris Minute. I have trouble saying this word. Municipal. Paris Municipal Ossuary. You have a problem with municipal, but not ossuary? (laughs) Ossuary is fine. Municipal is hard for me. (laughs) I also wrote entomology again. Fucking hell. (laughs) Good thing you're going to school and getting some book learning. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) So more etymology. An ossuary is basically a tomb made to display the bones of the dead. So that's its entire purpose is for here's the bones. Look at this body. Kind of like a museum, but question. Answer. Maybe. Do they put the body in there and let it decompose until all that is left is bones? Or do they wait till it decomposes and then bring the bones to the ossuary? I couldn't get a clear answer on that. I would assume the latter, but wouldn't be surprised with the former. Right, because then you sort of have like then you could have <laughs> then you could have stages of decomposition. It could be kind of like a science museum. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, where was I? Eventually, the labyrinth coined the term the catacombs once the Roman catacombs were discovered. The Parisian people were enamored with the concept and decided to call their giant labyrinth of corpses the catacombs. <laughs> They're like. Oh, wow, someone's actually done this in the past. (laughs) I guess we're kind of doing it, too. All right, this is the new name. Instead of Paris Municipal Ossuary, we're just going to call it the catacombs. Humans tend not to change very much. (laughs) So, as I mentioned before, the uh, artistic aspect of it comes into play. Uh, After some time, the French decided to, in their own way, Respect the dead by using the mass collection of bones to build walls. Hmm. You look so unimpressed. You know, I am half French, uh, but I'm just you, trying to figure out you're how French that would be Canadian. respectful. Yeah, French no. Canadian. That's so. It's, it's still kind of French. It, no. Okay. Literally, I had a French girl. I told she's like full on French. I told her my last name, and she was like, "Yeah, that's Trey Canadian." That's very Canadian, is what she said. And I was like, hmm, what, what's that mean? Anyways. You're French-Canadian, bitch. Not French. <laughs> I am French-Canadian. I'm not saying I'm not. But I'm still trying to understand how using someone's bones to build things is respectful. And I don't want to be rude. Maybe someone knows they can tell us. But I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. Like, maybe my perception is so white girl american that it's hard for me to conceive that as being respectful no i get that completely i've had a similar feeling about it but at the same time just given the time date of when everything was happening yeah it's hard the world was kind of a shit show maybe it's like because I'm thinking, like, you want a way to ID the body, right? You want to be able to put a name to the body. They're not doing that. But maybe it's more like they had so many fucking bodies that 
being able to honor the individual is fucking long gone. So maybe it's more like a, like, you know how Native Americans or whatever honor their kills by using every part? Maybe it's more like that, where it's like, these bones, who we have no idea whose they are, we're going to use them to build something and give them purpose. Maybe that's it. That's pretty much it. That's the closest we've got. I just sent you a link over our Discord chat for you to see pictures of this while I kind of describe what was going on. Hell yeah. So there are so many walls that have been made up of tibias and skulls organized in unique manners to make pictures, patterns. Some was like specifically made to mimic architecture of something else. It's insane what these people did. And that's where my morbid curiosity goes, this is fucking beautiful. What? How? <laughs> They're dense. They are dense yeah. walls. Like, this is a fuck ton of bodies. We're going to mm-hmm. have to put this on the Instagram for sure. That is the plan. One it's of the like walls. It's like a gallery. You could just touch people's skulls and shit. Yes. Damn. That's a lot of dead one, bodies. One of the walls, if not all of the walls, they're, they've got the big intact bones creating it, and everything that was small falling apart is tucked behind the walls. Mm. Things they couldn't use. There are areas, um, like cave explorers, cataphiles, that have found small corridors that are literally just lined with bones, and they've been brushed to the side because so many people go down there that it's like the spider in the corner, except for it's hundreds of bone fragments. It's ridiculous. Can you, like, see these things as a tourist, or is it, like, walled off? Yes. You can? Bro. Mm Mm-hmm. We should go. I bet this is, like, a surreal experience. It's, like, visceral. Oh, yeah. My next line is, The ossuary opened up for book-by-appointment viewing in 1809 in public tourism by 1856. Damn. As of the times, and there was nothing, there was no computers and phones and all that shit to keep yourself occupied. You were bored as shit. Business boomed in 1856. Come look at this cool art we did with skeletons. Oh, yeah. People have (laughs) always been obsessed with death. Oh, yeah. It is not a new thing. Like, Mm -hmm. people obsessed with serial killers these days, they existed in the 1700s and throughout human history. Yep. All right. This next paragraph meets my little soul. So, in order to entice more visitors, various quote-unquote exhibitions were installed within the catacombs. These included a room showcasing skeletons with various deformities, as well as a room displaying the types of minerals that were found as the tunnels were being excavated. (laughs) And everyone's like, hey, mom, you want to go see the mineral room? She's like, fuck no. You want to go see some limestone? Yeah, no, we're going (laughs) to the deformities room. Yeah. Something I thought was fun is that There was a little pool called the Samaritan Fountain. I kind of did it up to make it look cool. Goldfish were brought in and dropped in this little pool. And it collects groundwater. And it's still a feature of the catacombs and the fish are long dead. But they were the goldfish were put in there as an experiment. And they quickly went blind. And what was the other thing? Apparently I didn't put that in here. Don't know why. I was really enamored with it and I didn't finish writing it. So 
they went blind and something else with a lack of light that was causing a problem with their eating habits, I think. The fish died. But I thought that was cool. Yeah. Let's do a little cave experiment. I mean, in my best guess, the fish are going to fucking die. You're talking about a pool oh, yeah. underground with a bunch of dead bodies. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. ignore the fact still that these are dead bodies and they leach certain chemicals, blah, blah, blah. But you know yeah. more about fish than I do. Mm-hmm. Fish what are made very them go sensitive. Blind? Yeah, there's that. What made them go blind was the lack of sun. Okay, so not even dead body mm-hmm. related. No. There are cave fish, if you look it up. People have gone cave, like, not even like scuba diving caving, but just cave adventuring, I guess, deep into caves where water collects. And somehow there's fish in there that have been there, and they're completely blind, and they look albino. But it's because there's no sun, so there's nothing to reflect the color, and they have nothing to produce color. They okay. eat algae, they can't see shit. Now that you've just referred to the catacombs as a cave... I've just realized that I'm claustrophobic as fuck, and visiting these catacombs would actually be the scariest experience of my life, because now we're talking about a cave built of bones that's just waiting to collapse and suffocate me. I was waiting for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I want to go. Back on my head. You're not going to want to go. No, I'll wait up top. You can just, like, <laughs> video chat me. I will say that the area that is the tourist spot is, a, like, one specific section of the catacombs. It's just one specific. Everything else is roped oh, off. Yeah. I'm sure people and... would just fucking get lost and die all the time if they, like, opened it fully to the public. Yeah. Plus, that's a lot of walking for tourist guides to do. True. They already have... That section is like a mile long. They should have little, like, catacomb bikes. Ding, ding. Right? They just like, ding, ding. Come on, everybody. We're going to uh, the deformities room. Ding, ding. Everyone's on their little bikes. <laughs> I love this, and I want a comic strip of it. <laughs> All right. Where was I? Oh. Fish. I thought this was fun. Yes. I'm on the next paragraph. In the process of building the hidden parts of the mass tomb, The workers learned something about decomposing bodies. Yes, I knew they would learn something. Bodies need oxygen to decompose properly. Oh, yeah. In the aspect of being in the catacombs, miles underground, very little oxygen in certain areas. Mm. (coughs) Yeah, I assume if you lit a fire down there, you might just suffocate. Because it would burn up all the oxygen, maybe? Well, it still has some sort of air getting through, but it's not like wind. It's nothing continuous that you can be like, oh, well, we've got this much air moving. You couldn't like hold a flame and watch it just flicker with air movement. But there is still air down there, but it's so small. And the further you get in there, the less there is. Like going up in the oh, mountains. This sounds while so you're... horrible. Let me bring you home. When you're in the mountains, <laughs> the higher up you go, the less oxygen you have, even though you're surrounded by air. Yeah, and all that free, free space. Just all the... might not. It might be thin oxygen, but there's so much oxygen just to breathe. And you can see for miles. Nothing's closing in on you or falling on your head and crushing you to death. 
Beautiful. I feel better. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to help. I'm going to bring it back down. So the bodies get saponified. Do you know what saponification is? (laughs) No. This is one of my favorite forms of decomposition. I think it's fantastic. Asia has a favorite form of decomposition. I do, because it's cool as shit. In layman's terms, people just become fat. What they discovered Um, at the extent of it was mounds of fat. But there have been, um, I listen to a lot of true crime, and there have been bodies found, like Jane Doe's, John Doe's, that have been found, depending on the environmental conditions, the body saponified. So when they were touched, they felt like a wax figure. Just the way your body, the way the body and the fat breaks down, it um, like coats your extremities, it coats your body in a layer of a waxy film. Like I'm thinking candle wax, something like that. And that's because of the lack of oxygen? Mm-hmm. When it comes to on the surface and those specific bodies that have been found, it has been certain water temperatures, type of water. There have been a lot of variables to where they happen to be all line up in that body saponified. Yo, but you should look, everyone listening to, should look into this because there are crime labs that will take donated bodies and put them in different scenarios and just let them decompose and see how that affects it. Like, they'll put the bodies outside. They'll put them deep it's down a in farm. a catacomb. They'll put them it's under called- water. And they'll just basically document the decompositions, uh, the decomposition mm-hmm. progression so that when they come across bodies in the field... They know, they have a better idea of what happened to the body, how long it's been here, what sort of, like, um, you know, animals have been picking at it, or, like, if it got moved, that type of thing. Forensic entomology. Do it, bro. You look so, your eyes are so full of life. So full of life talking about death. (laughs) And yes, what you're talking about is called a body farm. And. I've found them very interesting. That's a horrible word for it, but yeah. (laughs) It is, but that's what it is. Yeah. I just think it's so cool that your body, especially without oxygen, decomposes into just a mound of fat, basically. I'm going to have to look that up because there's definitely some metabolic shit going on. And I need to brush up. I need to brush up on my metabolism and chemistry, biology shit. So I'm going to look that up, I think. I think you should. I think it'd be awesome to learn more about that. Send me what you find. Hell yeah. So, these people, finding mounds of bones and fat, decided that, well, we can't let the fat go to waste. No. The surplus of fat was collected and sold to soap and candle makers to be used in products and then sold to the population of Paris. Okay, Uh, I'm cringing, but I'm also trying to put this together in my head. The Black Death just ripped through your population. Mm -hmm. Like, in some places, the death toll was up to at least, like, sometimes 50% of the entire population. Yeah. You were missing lots of tradesmen, lots of economic, like, people contributing to the economy. Everyone's broke. Everyone else is dead. So yeah, I suppose if you came across an excess of fat 
a free source of fat, you might put make it into a candle. You might do that. It would be that crazy in the fucking 1700s. <laughs> yeah, not crazy at all, especially because most of the people don't know where their fat's coming from. At the time, it was yeah, coming from no animals. Yeah, no one's asking. If no one's asking and you don't have any sort of like FDA forcing you, you know, forcing you to do, you know, those goddamn labels with all that goddamn information on there, <laughs> then yeah, mm -hmm. you know, you might you might just make a candle out of a body. Oh, yeah. No one, no one no. knows. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. And on the other side of that, think about just knowing there's a chance your great-great-grandmother's remains are now on your bar of soap. Okay, so are you saying that's disturbing <laughs> or that's like, oh, grandma? Both. I'm just imagining it. Like, Man, we're lucky usually... we live in the uh, 21st century. <laughs> right. <laughs> COVID's so bad, gonna... but it's not fucking grandma soap bad. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> not gonna lie, I low-key want a person candle. <laughs> Asia, just stop. Just stop right there. I'm just gonna save you from, like, the FBI searching your house or something. <laughs> <laughs> at least we don't have a true crime podcast because then my search history would be even worse than it already is oh yeah yeah i look at things that are already dead <laughs> and what happened after it not how it happened i was doing that the other day okay this is kind of a tangent but we got to get this out there to uh protect our good names from the police i was watching a richard ramirez special and you know how they always sort of, like, hint at the crime scene? They'll show the crime scene pictures, but they won't show everything. They'll, like, blur certain things. Yep. I'm a nurse. I am now an ER nurse. I've seen plenty of dead bodies. I'm going to see a ton more. So I'm, like, curious. What really happened to this person? Because they're blurring out what happened, right? And I yeah. straight up was looking that shit up, and I was thinking to myself, man, I hope the FBI isn't... <laughs> checking out my google because this is kind of sketch right now <laughs> i'm very sus right now and i hope i don't pop up on someone's radar <laughs> <laughs> so yeah okay our names are uh our good names are saved let's continue okay let's hope no one report us please we'd like to continue <laughs> so now for another one of my favorite details Yes. I couldn't find a lot of information on this, and I know it's a thing, and that's why I'm pissed I couldn't find more information. I just didn't have enough time to do enough digging to really get to the root of this. The catacombs became an underground city. Yes, so, this is the part I remember reading about. So these, the labyrinth that is underneath Paris almost identically matches the surface in the way the streets are, the way the intersections are, and part of that was engineering trying to keep from trying to keep more things from happening so like, like you that mean, wall collapsing when you say engineering you mean real engineers not civil engineers right civil engineers build cities design the way cities no, need to work i can't give that to them civil engineers are for making cities look pretty no <laughs> no they're not they're to make them function but okay <laughs> So, this was known as the Invisible City. So, everything under the beautiful City of Lights, you have the Invisible City, 
in darkness that lines up nearly identically. Um, in I'll get back to the construction a little bit later, but in the 13th century, bandits hid under the Chateau de Vauvert. V-A-U-V-E-R-T. You took French, I did not. Oh, V-A-U-V-E-R-T? Yeah, Vauvert. That sounds right. Ah! <laughs> I did it. I took Spanish, Italian, and Latin. Fuck French. And you know what? <laughs> All of those combined makes French. <laughs> yep. So Chateau de Vauvert. I got it. Without the It would accent. be de. What did I say? De. Okay, that's Spanish and Italian. Sorry. <laughs> De Chateau de Vauvert. De Vauvert. <laughs> no. Is it Luxembourg or Luxembourg? Uh, I think it's Luxembourg. <laughs> okay. Luxembourg gardens and sorcerers <laughs> used the quarries for black masses during the thir- during 1348 plague. So even older. This fucking mining quarry. I was going to say, the the black plague, the like, it's it came back a couple of times, but the mm-hmm. biggest, meanest period for the Black Plague was like the 14th century. Mm-hmm. Or the 13th. So that would line up. Yeah. That would line up. Um, but in this invisible city, they, again, I couldn't find direct articles for this, and I'm really pissed about it, but the sick and diseased were quote-unquote, homed there. And by homed, I mean they were basically bricked in to die. Like, you can't be on the surface. Y'all are going to live down here. do that type of shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so those who were infected by the first Black Death before the second round, third round, fourth round, and even some who weren't, were placed below the city to die and, quote-unquote, quarantine the outbreak. I mean, they're not but, wrong. Not to be yeah. fucking, you know, cold-hearted, no. but... In a way, that's kind of quarantine. Clever? For the 14th century? Eh, I would say cruel and unusual, but also (laughs) not wrong. (laughs) If you think about it, they barely had the concept of medicine at the time. Yeah, no. They were stuffing flowers in their face to keep from getting sick. Bloodletting to bleed out. And yeah, let's purge and a drain sick, a sick person. Let's bleed them out. That'll help. Mm-hmm. Yep. God. So that was its own little bit. Um, moving on to a little bit more modern times. So, cataphiles have haunted the Paris underworld for decades, but in 2004, August 23rd. So, oh my God, that's like two days. Two from days. Now. Yep, two days. Happy from now. anniversary. <laughs> Discovery by police. Ugh. Can you guess what they found? A dead body. A fresh dead body. No. I wish it was that exciting. Two no. fresh dead bodies. Away from the dead bodies. They didn't find anything new. Everything that's been that's dead has been dead for a while. Um, a crazy person wandering around. There's a lot of cataphiles, but no, not quite. Um a gun. Still smoking. (laughs) (laughs) The ambiance of what you just did with your body and your face. That was great. (laughs) No, they found a cinema. What the fuck? Yes. not anywhere near what I was imagining. Yes. The setup 
was done by an urban explorers group calling itself the Perforating Mexican. Revealed what? just yeah. <laughs> the Perforating Mexican. That's what they called themselves. Oh god. All I can in the think underbelly is perforated of Paris. bowels. And I'm just thinking of a Mexican patient with a perforated bowel. I'm sorry, that's your experience. <laughs> that was so sincere, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, let's see, where was I? Okay, quote. <clears throat> Parisian police were assigned to do a training exercise in a previously uncharted part of the catacombs of Paris, beneath Pal- Palais de, Ch- de Chalot. <laughs> Entering the catacombs through a drain, officers first came across a sign that read, Building Site, No Access. And a bit further in, a camera that actively recorded images of those who passed. As the officers approached the camera, a recording of dogs barking was triggered. Damn, they were really trying to, like, protect this cinema. Mm Mm-hmm. The police descended deeper into the tunnels and discovered a 500-square-meter cavern with a fully-equipped cinema. It had included a giant cinema screen, projection equipment, chairs, and a handful of films, from film noir classics to recent thrillers. Alright, I'm literally imagining a group of, like, 40- to 60-year-olds masterminding this whole thing because they're treating this like they have a fucking kilo or like i don't know the measurements a ton of cocaine hidden away in the catacombs they got dogs barking cameras fucking fake ass police signs that the police know don't exist and all they're fucking trying to hide is a cinema. <laughs> like, it's literally a bunch of Karens. Just like, we gotta protect our uh, our cinema here in the catacombs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Someone had turned this abandoned underground cavern into a secret amphitheater. Aside from this, in the next quote-unquote room, police discovered a fully stocked bar and restaurant. Complete with tables and chairs! (laughs) The discovery left police befuddled, not to mention the professional installation of electricity and three phone lines. Like, what? Three days later, police returned with experts from the French Bordeaux Electricity to try and figure out where the power was coming from. The cables had been cut, and a note lying on the floor read, Do not try and find us. Oh my god, the fact that this is so intense, but is like a fucking cinema with a full bar. Literally, it's full like bar a bunch of and restaurant. I'm imagining middle-aged people, nine to five jobs, who are just looking for a little extra spice in their life, and got so intense about it. <laughs> like, this is insane. Full <laughs> restaurant and bar, complete with tables and chairs, in addition to, I don't know if you caught it, 500 square meter cinema. Why the That's fuck huge. did you not just fucking hide some cocaine to sell? Right? <laughs> you literally were equipped to fucking hide anything of actual value, but you're hiding a cinema. 
Yep. Well, it's because they're in an area they're not supposed to be and they know it. But yeah. at the same time, with that cinema there, they're encouraging people who are in the know to come down there all the time. And it's not exactly the safest area to be. The people in the know are other middle-aged people. Oh, because I know. when I read this article out of the National Geographic, it was about like young kids and shit that were raving, like bringing drugs mm-hmm. in, that having still parties, getting drunk, like illegal shit. Still so happens. this is like kind of cute <laughs> compared oh, to yeah. that. Oh, completely. Apparently, there was a toilet down there and it drew water from the gardens above it, the Trocadero. Literally a Sorry, bunch of nerds. it looks Spanish. A bunch of nerds found the catacombs and made a movie theater. Mm-hmm. The electricity itself was siphoned off by wrapping wires around a state power company's cables. And that way they couldn't leave a trace on the energy. <laughs> it's pretty dope. It's a yeah, dope setup. No, they th- they thought this shit through. Like, yeah. the gardens, they just thought there was, like, a permanent link, and they're using so much water anyway, they didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So, they've got free water, they figured out how to get free electricity that wouldn't be traced anywhere. Like, where are we losing power from? No, it's coming directly from the power site. So, <laughs> they they thought this shit through. It's pretty badass. So, according to one of the police officers, the cinema, um, it had been built... I don't remember the time this article was written. In the article, it says finished roughly a year and a half ago. It was a renovation of a crude theater that was built three years before that. So someone already had built a theater down there. Mm. And then people came down and renovated it to make it the badass chill place that it was. God, that's so cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Part of the issue is... Down there, just like being up in the mountains, there's thin air. So people who aren't used to that, it can cause queasiness. Lots of people start losing their faculties and will fall down 30 feet deep wells or they get lost or there's cave-ins. But there's no known deaths, which that sentence alone is like, how are there no known deaths? There may not be like known deaths, but how many disappearances? There's gotta be a lot of disappearances. I looked that up too, and if there are, they are heavily under wraps. Yeah, Um, I was gonna say, then it's fucking the government, bro. Big mm -hmm. Brother is hiding that shit. (laughs) Yeah, there were uh, two teenagers that got lost for like three days, and then police and cadaver dogs found them. They had mild hypothermia when they were found. Mm. But that was the only disappearance that i could find i'm like there's no fucking way there's no way that you're talking there's about, what was no it? way you said a hectare is 800 hectares 800 hectares one hectare being a square hundred acres there's uh-huh. no way dude there's no way people haven't fucking died getting lost in there nope it's has to have happened yeah it's a little we'll sus. get to the resident goat that that happened to later the Ghost. resident goat? Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was almost more excited for the goat. I know! <laughs> when, you, when I realized I said goat, my first thought was like, Damn, I wish there was a goat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, again, we're back into kind of modern stuff. And here's another quote. Oh, I gotta pick another voice. 
exploring the Parisian underground is, of course, a French <laughs> history lesson. I can't! No, 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 it's perfect. It's like a fucking, it's like a really wheezy nerd. Go ahead. <laughs> On stone walls, there is graffiti from the French Revolution. More recently, there are former Nazi bunkers, and a few feet from them, hideouts for the French resistance, and giant columns to hold up edifices above, like the military hospital Val de Grosse. As we crawled and walked and loped, my buddy Daniel talked about the possible dangers, the most serious of them being a sudden fondi, or collapse. That is exactly what happened in 1774, when a street called Rue d'Enfant collapsed. Interesting, the name of the street meant Hell Street, and has been rechristened De Franc Restaurant. I can't do this voice. I can't. No, no, you have to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really getting into it. Great. King Laurie, the 16th, who would later lose his head in the French Revolution, ordered his architect to underground, to the underground, to assess the damage. Horrified, Charles Arcel Guillermot <laughs> reported back that much of Paris would collapse if it was built over fragile quarries that stretched for miles. They created the Inspection General de Carri. Carriere. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm trying. I can't do French. Fuck Just like French. wheezy nerd. That's what you're going with right now. Yeah, nasally it's like, wheezy nerd. <laughs> it's hurting the back of my throat to tighten my muscles like this. <laughs> Daniel explained an agency that exists to this day. For over a hundred years, begun by Guillermo, they lifted the quarry tunnel roofs and made right angles, consolidated walls, consolidated walls. He showed us how the inspectors, inspectors, can't fucking talk. <laughs> it's so good. He showed us how the inspectors matched the streets above intersections below and how they numbered the walls. G for Guillemot, 1779, say, for the year, and four for the number of walls created in sequence that year. Each inscription... I can't... <laughs> I keep losing it. I can't. <laughs> Alright, you do you. Whatever you need, buddy. I've got, like, two sentences left. Okay. I'm trying. Power through. Power through. <laughs> And four for the number of walls created in sequence that year. Each inscription is etched in carbon black, and some are old French. On one inscription, the Rue Vagagop. Vagirard? Sure. <laughs> it doesn't even matter at this point. <laughs> I saw the words, oh, cochon indicating the western side of the street where the sun would go to bed. <laughs> oh my god! Where the sun that would go to so bed, That was so hard. Bro. Where the sun that was going to bed. That was so hard. <laughs> it was so good. I was getting 
into that character. I'm glad because I felt like the accent kept changing and I kept losing the nasally and tried to make up for it and it just wasn't working. I'm never doing that one again. That was awful. <laughs> he will live on in our memories. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of, that part is kind of what I brought back to when they were um, reconstructing everything underneath for the Invisible City mm. and marking everything that was on the surface. On the walls, they were documenting oh, yeah, what was yeah, going yeah. on in each area. So technically, they knew where the fuck they were. Like, yeah, if we just tunnel up however many feet, we'll be there. Or I guess meters, since they're in Europe. Makes sense. So we talked about the fact that there is the ability to go get a tour. But it is so busy all times of the year that you're likely to wait up to two hours to get your tour. And Damn. only a mile is open to the public for you to view. That's where the tour goes through. Um, it's illegal and dangerous to try and explore further, and many have tried, rarely, if ever, return. Dun, dun, dun! Wait, what? Actually- so they literally admit that people don't return, yes. but yes. they also say no one has died. Uh-huh, and no one's missing. That makes... Uh-huh no sense it's the government they're covering it up yep it's like they've gotta be so many people go into these catacombs and if you don't have a guide especially when you're outside of the tourist spot all the cataphiles and people who are just exploring the catacombs if they don't have a guide they're fucked and i saw a couple of videos where people were like following their guide and then they kind of have a large group like two people the ones holding the camera got left behind (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, oh, shit. Uh... Yeah, you can't be fucking around in there. First of all, there is little air. So mm-hmm. after some time, you're not going to be able to trust your own senses and your own sensibility. It's dark. Um, So you're relying on flashlights and shit that are limited power. Mm-hmm. And there's like this disorienting never-ending path of bodies and bones, okay? Uh I just imagine being down in a room full of real bones is gonna be a little disorienting, a little otherworldly. That's only three factors that are disabling you while you're trying to walk around in the catacombs. Like, Uh it would not take long. I will say so many people have been down there for such a long time that there is graffiti everywhere so if you did get lost on your way in you should be noting the graffiti there are some things that are repetitive like there was one artist who went through and put spiders in certain areas they made spiders with paint Hmm. so you could if you're paying attention you could technically document where you went which turn you took because there's graffiti everywhere yeah, Everywhere. honestly, you need, like, a thing of breadcrumbs, because the scariest mm-hmm. part to me, other than the crushing weight above and besides me, would be the fact that I know my brain cannot be counted on after a certain amount of time. Like, if, if mm-hmm. the air quality is that poor, that dead bodies are decomposing into piles of fat... <laughs> Like, I, how could you trust your own senses? 
So you would need something very easy to follow and specific like a trail of breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. So before we get on to the fun stuff that everyone came here for, because it has been over an hour of just this history. has been fun. What are you talking about? There's funner things in a way. Honestly, I think this history is fantastic. Hell yeah. I've got a fun note that I didn't know, and I only found in one article. The catacombs have been used for many things, but one of the oddest might be the cultivation of mushrooms. Oh, that makes sense. It's Not the psychedelic and dark kind. and cold. And mushrooms themselves, what they are as an organism, are made to break down everything. Wood, bodies, anything that is dead that needs to be decomposed or needs to be erased, I guess, from the earth and re-put into new life, mushrooms grow. That's what they do. So, apparently, the practice of growing mushrooms there still exists today, and they produce mushrooms with exceptional flavor. Do you mean the flavor of dead bodies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, something I thought was interesting is... The catacombs have been theorized to be used by deserters of Napoleon's army as a hideout, and they were also used in World War II. So the French resistance used the tunnels to organize and plan for attacks against the Nazis, but also the Nazis had several bunkers in the tunnels too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so I God. just thought that was kind of fun. Well, it's like perfect. You got a mm -hmm. whole ass fucking... 800 miles or whatever the hell you said of just tunnels already built for you? I'd hide my army in there. Right? Sorry if you guys catch my computer fan. We have found out the hard way that I cannot edit that out without fucking up our vocal sounds. So, Are you referring to the fat hip you just took off of your vape? No, I'm referring to the oh my well, computer. But they're like the same. <laughs> They are, but I edit out my vapes. <laughs> so, to the spooky stuff, if this wasn't spooky enough, I will start with the Midnight Voices. Oh, shit. It's said that if you are in the mining system around or after midnight, that you'll hear the disembodied voices of the dead. These voices beckon you deeper into the catacombs to the point of getting lost and never finding your way back out. Yeah, no. Gotta pass. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so traumatized. <laughs> Don't ever do that so, again. <laughs> so while I'm sure there are thousands of ghosts with how many people have died and how many bodies are there, there's over 6 million bodies that were moved to that area and the only real ghost I could find is one. Like, Man, the odds of this are a little bullshit. Will always reign supreme <gasps> yes we need to like, so remaster well the sound of that i loved sloss that will always be my one true love same spookiness same All the ghosts. that was our peak bro we had our peak on our first episode i know <laughs> i hit gold on the first round and it's been downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> so. so this is the ghost of philibert espert spelled in English. So I'm guessing in French it'd be Philibert Asperger. I don't know. 
<laughs> can't do French. Sure, yeah. Can't. Hate French. <laughs> so during the French Revolution, a man named Philippe Asper was a doorman at the Val de Grasse. Val du. Val de Grasse. Val de Gras Hospital. Val de Gras. Val de Gras. There you go. Hospital. <laughs> On a mission to fetch a certain liqueur from a cellar. There are different theories on if he was already drunk and was just looking to drink more, or if he was looking for it for a specific reason. Mm. But Philbert actually ended up entering the Paris... The Paris Catacomb instead. (laughs) (laughs) Walking around the pitch black catacombs alone with just a single candle, Philibert Philbert became incredibly lost and confused. Mm. Many believe that he may have been intoxicated at the time and his candle blew out which made his vision completely useless as he is in a pitch black area underground. And at this point, it was virtually impossible for him to escape the profound darkness of the catacombs. God, that's terrifying. Just imagine you're fucking drunk, wandering around in a random hallway, and then your candle blows out, and you're like, oh, it's really dark. And you try to, like, touch the sides of the hallway, and you're like, these halls are kind of bumpy. And cold. And oh, then sure you just, knew. your finger slips into an eye socket. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs> and uh, that's how you die. His body was not found until 11 years later. Oh my god. Yeah. It was actually discovered by a group of cataphiles. They identified him by the hospital key ring that was hanging from his corpse's belt. There you go. Hospital armband. Mm-hmm. They got all your information on it. Probably shouldn't be on somebody who is just discharged and is alive, but helpful for <laughs> help for, for uh you know IDing a body. Yes. Did you just so, try to like Did you just I try to just... make a dildo Jeffrey the dildo yes, joke? I did. <laughs> She just wrapped her mouth around the pink dildo named Jeffrey. (laughs) This is great. I love that Jeffrey is a part of our podcast. God, I can't look at him. (laughs) Asper is buried in the catacombs in the exact same place where he died with a tombstone describing his death and marking its location. All right, that's just lazy. They just took Mm -hmm. his body and they were like, all right. Well, I guess he died in the best place that you could die. And they dug a hole and just pushed him into it and wrote a that's, sign. That's what I've heard. At least the sign's in stone. <laughs> no, that's like the last place I would want to be buried if I was Phil Bear. Cataphiles and catacombs folklore tellers say that each November 3rd, Phil, Bear, Phil Bear's ghost haunts the labyrinth of the catacombs. They say he returns on the anniversary of his death and likes to blow out your candle if you're carrying one. I like to blow out your candle. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, you're my cousin. (laughs) Fun fact, he's actually featured in the Assassin's Creed Unity. 
Oh, of course. So. Assassin's Creed always is on point with that history, yo. Yes. What I thought was funny when I read this, I was like, usually they're, they try to be pretty accurate. In this one, he gets shot by a nun. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, that's what I was like. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's so you obvious, just... getting shot by a nun. Come on. You kind of just discover a dead body or discover some dude wandering, holding a blown out candle. Yeah. Like. Way more creepy. Could... Way more ambiance. Mm-hmm. Getting shot by a nun. Why? There wasn't even a nun in this story. Yeah, and this story gimmick. is fucking everywhere. That's gimmicky. Yeah, so I was a little disappointed in Assassin's Creed. Not that I've played it, but I've watched it played, and I'm like, they're usually pretty good with their accuracy. So this has been like, hmm, hmm. what else have they taken an artist's Step up license your game, with? Game Assassin's Creed, we know. We're in the no man. <laughs> <laughs> so I checked out YouTube and found some small paranormal investigator group things that tried to record their instances when visiting the catacombs. One was kind of okay the other one what they found sounded like a church gathering or some other religious meeting in addition to about two or three other groups of people there was a lot of people people in like the to fuck with the catacombs mm -hmm. yeah and that was the group that also lost their tour guide for a minute <laughs> so the one that it's i can't really dog too much because I feel like their equipment wasn't equipped for what they were trying to do. Mm. So I watched the video and I skipped through most of it. They were down there for a long time and they posted like an hour and something long video. And they were probably down there three or four hours. So I give them credit for cutting that shit down. But I still didn't want to watch an hour of them just talking and hiking through tunnels with bones. I got bored. So I skipped to the parts where, I don't remember her name, but the girl was sitting down, lights were shut off, they were going down to whispers, they had their night vision on, she had an app on her phone, and she was trying to communicate. Mm. Okay. So she had three sessions of doing that throughout their discoveries, and some parts were really, really hard to hear. Um, in the video, they tried to point out when they heard voices and they would take that same clip and they would slow it down and amp up the sound so you could try and hear it but to me that sound sounded like a faint whoosh of wind like of course always yeah so when it came to the voices to me it's like i can't confirm or deny those are voices maybe your equipment's not picking it up but she's reacting like she fucking heard something and I know there's not wind down there, so mm -hmm. I, it's something, but I can't really say it was actually voices. Right. There was light chanting, and that I did kind of pick up on. Mm. Oh, over the, I did kind of hear a pattern going in it that started and stopped abruptly. It wasn't something that was going on in the background. If you were like a ritualist death cultist this would be like prime oh, location yeah. you got oh, yeah. so many dead bodies just to pull the power from i've been listening to last podcast on the last on the on the on the last on the left <laughs> fucking hell last podcast 
on the left. I've had two and a half glasses of wine, okay? Anyways, I've been listening to their series on um, Adolfo Constanzo, who practiced a darker version of Santeria. And basically, the idea is that he and his cult draw magical power from death, but specifically from deaths that are violent or traumatic or that they cause themselves. They killed a lot of people, this cult. So I assume if you put an Adolfo Constanzo cult into the catacombs, they'd be fucking like feeling it. They'd have oh, so yeah. much power just to draw from, from six million bodies that died, you know, reportedly from the Black Death, which is a pretty violent death. Like, mm-hmm. you're talking about bulbos exploding, septicemia. Like, yeah, there's got to be a lot of magical power down there. Yeah, if on a branch such a of thing that. exists. Just to put in my two cents on that whole ordeal is technically they could draw power from that. That is very traumatic energy and those spirits are carrying a lot of energy. So they're just channeling someone else's energy instead of using their own or finding a different way. Not right by any means, but also they're not incorrect in that whole cult. Like, oh yeah, technically, they killed a lot of people to oh, yeah. like... And I assume in very, very violent, traumatic ways to be able to create more energy. Like, Mm -hmm. you're talking skinning people alive, chopping off the top of their skulls Mm -hmm. while they're still alive. Like, trying trying to brew and absorb as much trauma as possible to make their power more powerful, in their own words. It's very dark energy to work with, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. Any hoozles. Um, <laughs> where was I? Yeah, the light chanting, I did hear. Um, there was also one point where she was just waiting and trying to get responses, and there was banging in the background, and it was just a quick, like, two or three, almost like knocks. Okay, I literally was just picturing the sound of two people banging in the catacombs. Banging in the background for two to three uh, thrusts, you know? <laughs> it's got to have happened. Come on. Oh, I'm you know sure how it has. It would be to be like, yo, babe, let's go fuck in the catacombs, babe. Now We're I kind of want to go down there with like a black light. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> I know it's happening, but I don't want to see the evidence. <laughs> That's fair. So the chick was using an app called Ghost Tube, which we should definitely give a shot if we ever actually get enough funds to go and travel to some spooky locations. Yeah, bro. But one of the sessions, one of the last ones that she was sitting in and trying to communicate, that app, which had been completely quiet the whole time, actually picked up and vocalized a name. Mm. I don't remember it because it's French, but it picked up a name. And it also picked up the French word for him, which I also don't remember because I don't do French. Uh, him. I know boy is garçon, but <laughs> him, which is super easy, I've totally forgotten. And it was like, it happened, the word that it picked up for the name happened 
minutes before they started hearing other cataphiles coming through. And then right as they're like, okay, I guess we got to get up and find somewhere else to go do this. That's when it picked up him. And they're like, I don't know if they were referring to the people coming in, because you could hear a guy's voice echoing down the hallway. Mm. Or if it was talking about himself. But, yeah, I wasn't super sold on the video, uh-huh. but I'm sure all the ghosts down there are pretty used to people and they're not trying to communicate. Right. <laughs> like, Plus, my understanding, yeah, again, I'm not totally sure I buy any of the like supernatural part, but if I did, my understanding is that if you're a ghost, you kind of have to muster up the energy for Mm -hmm. interaction over a period of time like you can't just be interacting left and right because you have to expend some energy so yeah this place has been around for for like ever and six million bodies but like the steady flow of tourism over hundreds of years and i'm sure like lots of tourists have had their own experiences just because it's been a while and there's a lot of bodies doesn't mean that there's a lot of excess energy to be used. Because it sounds right. like they're using it almost every day, popping off to random tourists. Generally, that energy that they need to build has to be directed towards them. I'm not dead in a spirit, and I don't know for 100% certain, but in theory... That energy needs to be directed towards them for them to be able to use it and build upon it. Like oh, your mirror on so our haunted mirror where they were all all those people looking at it and talking to it and trying to see something out of it. They were putting their energy directly towards it. So you and can't because, just leech random energy. You have right. to have like Phil Bear in this uh, hypothetical. Phil Bear would be a relatively powerful spirit spirit just because people know his name and have directed so much energy towards that right Ah. exactly so that's my general theory about it and i am not extremely educated on this by any means but from what i've gathered that seems to be the consensus you need to have direct spiritual intention towards that one being for them to be able to build enough power to put it out and i'm sure there's outliers and that's not counting demons and other darker shit but just ghost on ghost ghost on person that ghost energy on ghost yo <laughs> <laughs> that energy needs to be direct okay and i've got one more paragraph there is a report that is under a lot of scrutiny for validity mm. so there was a man who went down to explore alone Didn't bring shit with him outside of a camera, pretty much. Dumb. And that camera was found later on, and possibly he wasn't. Mm. And that, there's a lot of different theories on what happened here, but it's such a big one that I figured I should mention it. So the footage on the camera, he had been recording himself as he was catafiling down through the catacombs and slowly seems to look like he's going crazier because of the lack of oxygen possibly i don't know (laughs) it's a weird video they it's described like 
he seems all sane, having fun. Yeah, I'm gonna go adventure in this catacomb and do my thing. And then halfway through to where the end of the video is, he's starting to get all nervous and panicky and doing things he wouldn't do. And who knows if there's the lack of the oxygen hitting his brain. Well, and I just want to say... Funny. When someone's hypoxic, meaning they don't have enough oxygen in their blood, like you see with COVID patients, so they're not getting enough oxygen. One way that you can tell someone is hypoxic is a change in mental status. AMS, altered mental status. They become confused. They become behavioral sometimes, like especially if they already have something like dementia or maybe a psychiatric disorder. Their behaviors will become more intense. They'll become delusional. Um, and the longer that persists, the worse they're going to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it could be. There's a lot of theories. A lot of theories about what was going on here. At one point, as he kept descending further, further and further into the labyrinth, he gets lost. He drops the camera and goes off. And quote unquote, you never see him again. But we don't know. So, so they found the camera and just have footage of him just dropping it and running off into the darkness? Pretty much. And the authenticity is what's under scrutiny. Some say it was scripted for a bit for scariest places on Earth. Others say it was just a really cheesy recording and seemed overreacted. So it kind of applies to that it was scripted thing. When the camera was brought to the police when it was found by other cataphiles, it was not fingerprinted for identity identity and no one went to go look for him uh but they could id yeah. him right like from the video that's just it does he have a there name was nothing no one knows wow like, they I, really didn't try very hard and that's where there's the scrutiny it's like was this done on purpose was this for a bit to be featured somewhere is this real is this not real this video is got a lot of theories going on about it on what happened, why it happened, why he behaved the way he did. Is this video something that the public can watch? I think so. Where? I'm not sure. I couldn't find it, but I've heard of this video a few different times, so I'm sure if you dug well enough, you could probably find it. Because I kind of want to watch it, and from my own experience and people reading, I want to kind of, I want to decide for myself if he's faking it. Yeah. I think you should. My last two sentences is on the tourism. You know how you mentioned how you could just go up and touch skulls? Yeah. Well, many people have decided to steal those skulls. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, if you're ever there going for the tourist guide and all that, the reop they actually closed the catacombs from October 2009 through December of the same year. And when they reopened it, they threw in a bunch of additional security and bag checks upon exiting. Like, they kind of cracked down on that. Like, you can't be desecrating this grave. It's yeah. already got a shit show going on. Don't steal fucking skulls. Yeah. That's my episode. It was fucking dope. That was a doozy and a half. I'm actually, <laughs> like, gonna look some shit up after this just for pure excitement. Like, I'm excited by myself to, like, kind of look this shit up. So that's great. I apologize to our listeners that this is going to be over an hour and a half long, but I don't really care. I had fun with it. I spent an hour on history and I'm happy about it. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great episode. <laughs> this is a historical ghostly podcast. Yes.
We do mostly history with the speckling of ghosts. Yeah, because the <laughs> ghost content is actually kind of sparse. <laughs> yes. Again, we hit gold on day one. And slaws, now we're just trying bro, to keep slaws. up. It gave us, it was like false promises. Yes, it really was. I was like, this is badass. I can't wait to do more of this. I can't Literally. find more of this. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the Paris catacombs where there's six million bodies. <laughs> You're just like, Sloss there's gotta be dope. more. Mm-hmm. That's alright with me, though, because we'll branch out, you know? I'm mm-hmm. picking up the creep side of things sometimes, you know, with aliens, cryptids. Maybe eventually we'll dip into some crime we're just, you know, I feel like this podcast is, like, we're trying to disturb everybody, but also be historical, put in our two cents worth, and have a good time. I agree 100%. Yeah. Offer a little bit of everything. Everyone gets to dip their toes in something. You like history? Cool. Come on over. Yeah. You like death? Come on over. We got lots of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're a younger, newer podcast, so if you're just visiting now... Give us your two cents. Like, literally, we are very malleable at this point. This is a good time in our podcast uh, life for you to put in your two cents so we can direct the direction of this. <laughs> you want to know my two cents? Yes. This month is our one-year anniversary since we started our podcast. Are you for real? Mm-hmm. It's been a year? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been a whole year. Give me two seconds. But uh, y'all should help support us so we can keep this going. Because we like, we like doing this. This is fun for us. We hope it's fun for you. Yeah, and but we yeah. want to improve too. But it's hard to improve without any criticism. Um, so we got thick skins. You know, I get yelled at at work by patients all the time for really nothing. Uh, Asia's got a thick skin, I know. So you can tell us that we suck. We will oh, yeah. survive. We want to be better. We want to provide good content. Yes. I I deal with children all the time. And a lot of them. I've had a couple where they're like, You're mean. You're not the boss of me. Fuck <laughs> off. You're five. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> You're five. I'm not I taking I had a patient shit. tell me the other week. I was putting his IV in. He was like, you don't know what you're doing. You're too young. You don't even have titties. <laughs> so if I can handle that, I can handle whatever you guys throw at me. <laughs> Your tits are bigger than mine and you don't even have titties. I don't even <laughs> got titties, bro. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't got titties. How could I know? <laughs> and yes, we released our first episode. First and second episode was released on August 15th. So we started our recording in the beginning of August. That's dope. I'm yep. glad we're still Happy here. Happy one year. Happy one year anniversary. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Support us on Patreon, please. We want to get Rose a microphone and some webcams so you can watch us sit in our loungewear and make weird yeah. ass faces. I look like a frump today, but if we had a webcam, maybe I would put on a push up or something like that for y'all. <laughs> just Honestly, kidding. I'm I, just kidding. I think the frumpiness that we both provide just adds to the ambiance of our episodes. You're right. You're right. Tonight, today, it's like cloudy out for once, and I'm feeling the creepy, haunty vibes. 
and I'm not trying to be creepy. Like, I'm not trying to get into my creepy horror vibes when I'm, like, looking good. You kind of got to be frumpy to watch a horror movie, you know, or you listen to a You got to be in your cozy podcast. clothes, cozy clothes, slippers, a blanket, yeah. popcorn. So frumpy vibes is where it's at. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. Until next time, Rose will be taking over. Yes. We will talk to you then. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, creeps. <laughs>